You're listening to the podcast of Father Billy Daniel. I am an Episcopal priest serving in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee. This podcast features sermons, reflections, and occasional conversations to help you deepen your spiritual life. To learn more about me or to get connected, please visit fatherbillydaniel.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. This homily was preached in Church of the Ascension on Sunday, October the 9th, 2022. I have this habit of sitting outside in the morning when I wake up and just before I go to bed where I take in my environment and let my surroundings speak for themselves. The moon has a good deal to say most nights as she reminds that her light is borrowed from the sun and the stars with their inner fire give challenge to the darkest night. Since moving to East Tennessee in January, I've had the pleasure of watching the oak tree outside our back door receive her green dress for summer. And now as the cool air begins to blow, she's shedding her outer garment so that the cold will not weigh down her branches. As I wonder about this glowing and stripping of life, I find myself drawn to this patterned life of a tree and how it offers such a clear window into my own human life. The roots of a tree provide so much stability, and these roots are nourished by the leaves that fall, which slowly enrich the soil that enables a tree to grow and thrive. The earliest Christians speak of two books by which God reveals and opens us to new life, the book of scripture and the book of nature. Each in so very many ways open us to perceive the world as our lives are interpreted by these gifts of God. What does this mean? I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, a break-off of the Methodist Church that began in the early 1900s by a couple of Methodist bishops in Los Angeles. It's a church that began with a distinct purpose of being a church for the poor. The two Methodist bishops felt that the Methodist Church had grown fat with money and had oriented its life not by lifting up the low lifting up the lowly as Mary sings in her Magnificat, but had succumbed to the luxuries and pleasures of the world. The Nazarene church focused on holiness of life, sharing life together, and being deliberate about extending this life to the people that the world leaves behind in its quest for more. As I grew older, I began to appreciate more and more the form of life I had received from this church. And I also began to see a need for more deliberate forms of prayer and worship that enabled me to not only attend to the needs of others, 
but also help me to connect more deeply with the source of my being. I went to just about every church I could find, worshiping with Roman Catholics, Greek and Bulgarian Orthodox, evangelicals of all shapes and sizes, eventually finding myself unexpectedly in an Episcopal church. What drew me here and what has compelled me to remain and put down roots is that the many ways we have for connecting with God and inhabiting this world as spiritual beings, it feels less like a chore and more like an invitation. It was the Episcopal Church's distinct posture of non-judgment that enabled me to see that this is a place where I can follow Jesus without the imposition of trying always to get it right. As I've journeyed in faith, I have been able to seamlessly adopt a variety of movements and practices, both in our communal gathering for worship and in my own life of prayer that throw me into a deepening awareness of who I am as a person and how the very ways I move my body opens me to the source of life, opens me to God. Whether I'm making the sign of the cross over my body or bowing in reverence to God, I have come to recognize that these gestures are not mere trappings of liturgy. Rather, they are forms by which the way of Jesus is being inscribed on my body. So that this life of worship that we share together is neither contained by nor constrained to the walls of this building. Growing up in the South with a Southern mother, it was a matter of course that I would hold the door for others, that I would open the car door for my date and now for Amanda, and that I would stand when a woman or someone who is my elder walks into the room, that I would say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. No one growing up in the South would find these practices strange. Rather, as I've heard on several occasions in recent years, we feel their loss and we know that they are altering how we relate to each other. So when I began to think more deliberately about worship, it made perfect sense that when the cross passes by, I would bow my head in reverence. It made perfect sense that I would make the sign of the cross over my forehead, lips, and heart at the reading of the gospel or that I would bow before the sacrament to reverence the source of the sacrament as though reverencing the sun by gazing at the moon. And what I've come to understand about these simple gestures is that they have been and are cultivating in me a grateful heart. They are nurturing the soil of my life with reverence and respect in the same way that I grew to respect my elders by standing up in their presence and saying, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Because gratitude is first and foremost a movement before it is a condition of the heart. Jesus meets 10 lepers in our gospel reading from Luke today who cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And without batting an eye, Jesus responds to them saying, go show yourself to the priests. And Luke tells us that while they were on their way, they are healed of their leprosy. Presumably all 10 notice that they're healed. Yet we learn that only one of the lepers returns to offer thanks. Not only this, he falls on his face before Jesus, taking the posture of humble gratitude. And while all ten are healed of their leprosy, it is the one who was grateful, the one Samaritan among them, who is saved for the gospel. The key to understanding what's happening in this encounter with the ten lepers and what Luke goes, is, is in what Luke goes on to describe in a conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus that happened just one verse later that gets cut off from our gospel reading today, where the Pharisees asked Jesus, when is the kingdom coming? To which Jesus responds, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom, says Jesus, does not come as something one observes. The kingdom does not come as we might observe a sunrise or a sunset. Rather, the kingdom is experienced as gratitude becomes our disposition and orientation toward all things. You see, while all ten lepers are healed, only one of those having been healed, recognizing that the healing in his body points to something beyond something beneath the surface. It enlivens something within him that draws him back to the source, not simply of his healing, but the source of life itself. The kingdom within the Samaritan, the gift of faith that lies in the depths of our being, compels him to return to the feet of the kingdom with a grateful heart. Rejoicing and giving thanks to God. And it is this faith, says Jesus, it is this seed of the kingdom within that saves him. Salvation here is all about the aliveness of God within. Faith is the kingdom of God within us all. And this faith within longs to be joined to its source. To Christ, who is our faith, through whom all things were made, who for us and our salvation came down from the kingdom of heaven to reveal that the kingdom is nearer to us now than we are to ourselves. For this faith, for this kingdom to rise to the surface and guide our hearts, minds, and wills, we need practices that orient us and transform our sensibilities in the way of gratitude. For me, kneeling when I pray, making the sign of the cross, bowing in reverence, standing when people walk into the room, holding open the doors for others. These are all ways that I am being formed in the way of humility that I am reverencing God in the world. It is how the leaves of my life, my successes and my failures fall away and yet enrich the soil beneath my feet 
so that I am more rooted and grounded in the way of peace. This understanding of salvation reaches well beyond the mistaken notion that some are saved and some are not. Rather, as Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That middle line was tripping me up this week. That middle line, if we deny him, he will deny us. Wait a minute, Paul. You just said that if we are faithless, Christ remains faithful and cannot deny himself. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the kingdom, the faith of Christ in us that Jesus cannot deny. So what about this being denied when we deny? And then it hit me. Right there in verse 14 of our reading, Paul reminds the people, do not engage in verbal battles, or as our translation reads, do not get involved in the wrangling over words. This whole business of denying and being denied is not about Jesus. It's about us. When I deny the person in front of me engaging in verbal battle, speaking ill of another, it is not the other person I am denying. I am denying me. I am denying the truth of who I am as a child of God and vice versa. If I am faithful, if I am living the life of the kingdom that is within me, I will not speak evil. For any evil that I speak is always first and foremost a commentary about me. The judgments I make about others is always first self-judgment. Yet when in humility, when in humility I learn to lean on Jesus as the source, judgment, hardship, wrangling over words, all fall to the ground like autumn leaves, providing a strange nourishment of trust in the grounding of grace. Some of you might know that that old gospel hymn, Learning to Lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. A friend of mine recently told me that he realized that this hymn, Learning to Lean, is about learning to lean on Jesus in each other. That leaning on Jesus and leaning on each other are inseparable. Learning to lean takes practice. Yet as we practice simple gestures of reverence and respect toward each other and the things of God, the kingdom within me and the kingdom within you will call out to each other in the most harmonious of ways 
nourishing the ground beneath us, giving life to all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing in Church of the Ascension, visit knoxvilleascension.org.